Welcome to the Christian CEO Podcast. I'm Katie Bother, and I have built an impactful location independent business since 2008 with plenty of rejections, English as my third language, and lots of God's grace. Each week, we will be sharing relevant and direct advice or inspiring interviews with one intention. It's your time to go pro with your marketplace calling. Now, let's get to it. Hi there. Welcome to Christian CEO Podcast today. I have a special guest for you. How special? Well, how about a combat Navy fighter pilot? I know you heard me right. We have a combat Navy fighter pilot, John, came to the show today and he gonna share about his story as a high achiever, but he also gonna share his story of brokenness. The story of brokenness is about after 23 surgeries, two years of recovery. And then that what God has called him to empower leaders and he become a keynote speaker, trainer, and leadership coach, and also one of the leading international podcast hosts. In this episode, we're going to talk about how you get to your destination, meaning where you are now to where you want to be in the pilot faction. Now, let's talk with John. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, great to be here again, Kelly. Well, for those of you that they tell you watch this episode in YouTube channel, that I'm sure you're wondering, one on earth, Kelly, you get a person in the oxygen tube come to your show. So John, before they kill me, you tell them what is going on. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Uh, two months ago, I got a COVID positive test and, uh, you know, I thought I was just going to have to go through a little nasty bout of the flu, like most of my friends and people I know. And um, about day four, it turned into a fever and day 12, it was up to 105 and I had trouble breathing. So I ended up spending a week in the ICU, uh, which was scary from the standpoint that I couldn't see my family. Right. Like I knew that if COVID took me, I know where I'm going. I was in God's presence when I had an accident nine years ago. It should have killed me. But, you know, when you're kind of facing that that moment, you, boy, does it make you think. Um, you know, the other thing that made me realize, too, is how this really just affects families. You know, I'm sitting there and I worked through it. And after five days of every experimental treatment they gave me, I turned the corner and I didn't realize till I got home how much this affected my 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 boys. They honestly, they had that concern that, you know, am I going to lose my dad? Uh, but now it's been six weeks since I got out of the ICU. It really tore me up, Kelly, my lungs, my heart. I've all been affected. Um, and the doctors, because there's no, there's no, uh, what do you call it? Uh, nothing that's predictable. I mean, some people recover very quickly. Some people get really bad and there's no indicator. So, they can't give me any guidance, nor will they. So we're just praying big time and just following God's lead on wherever he brings me. But I figure, you know what? The worse it gets, the, the bigger the God part of the story is. So um, I try to look at it like Tigger. You know, he's happy about everything versus Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. So I, I got to channel my inner Tigger as I go through something like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But um Obviously, you guys probably can sense what on the earth that we will get John to this uh, episode, right? Because John has such a big heart. 
to advance the kingdom. And in this case, that he wrote an awesome book called On Purpose with Purpose. I mean, just listen to the name, right? So, um, John, you know, I would like you to talk about, I love uh, there's a, a sentence in your book site, you know, because I know that you uh, uh, were a, a flying uh, fighter. Uh, I mean, uh, you're, you're flying a fighter jet, you know, you are not just a regular pilot. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. How did you get to qualify, even can do that, that kind of awesome thing? But I love what you said that uh, plane flying is on course less than 3% of the time. That was it. Whoa, only 3%? And then you say that pilots must always correct its course. I really love that. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about the story and, and what does it mean or what you need to do even to get qualified to fly the fighter jet? Oh, yeah. You know, to go back a while, right? I was in college, 1986, Kelly, and the movie Top Gun comes out. Now, I'm in, I'm in college on a Navy ROTC scholarship. So, I'm, I'm, I, it was a big, so I was all excited about this, but I, you know, it was interesting at the time just because my limiting beliefs, my identity, my self-image, when I saw that movie, I'm like, there's no way I could ever do that and succeed. I'd embarrass myself. People would laugh and make fun of me. I told some friends, hey, I'm thinking about this. And they, they just started laughing. So I actually got back to college and I didn't even put aviation down on my uh, selection sheet with the Navy. I put down submarines and surface and intelligence. And I'll never forget uh, having a conversation with my dad. It really, I felt like I'd given up on myself. And my dad talked me into taking a bet on myself because he said, John, if you pursue something you know, worthwhile, a dream of yours, because it's been a dream I had since a kid, and you fail, at least you know you did it, and you live life without a regret, because you could go do something you know you'd be good at that's really based on engineering. I was an electrical engineer, but you might not love it. And, you know, that was, that was an interesting moment that kind of carried me into a lot of decision points through my career. But I got into flight school, and going down there, we were told as we headed down there, Kelly, that um, because of the movie and, and the, everything going on, one out of every 10,000 people that applied that tried to get into flight school would actually end up flying a fighter. I mean, it was so competitive and everybody wanted the F-14, the Tomcat. And, uh, but my dad, my dad, once again, amazing. Uh, he just passed away last year in the middle of everything going on right now. And, um, but I know where he's at. Uh, it was an amazing last couple of days he and I had, but I'm heading down there. And I'm nervous. I'm scared I'm going to fail. There's no, how am I going to make the cut? One out of 10,000. And he said, listen, John, when you get down there, there's going to be somebody, a student that everybody's talking about, the ace of the base, and he's going to be a class ahead of you. And that, those other classes don't compete with you. So go find him, go buy him a beer, just get to know him and ask him what he's doing. Well, that guy, Kelly, his name was John Foster. And he had a completely different philosophy and approach to how he prepared than anybody else. And he shared everything with me. And I started doing what John did. And I started getting the results. And at the end of the day, I graduated number one in my class, and I got to choose to fly the F-14. And here's what that taught me, though, as I got into business and started leading companies is when you when God puts something on your heart, a big dream or a goal or a passion, go find somebody else that has succeeded in that area, in that business, in that cause, 
and then look at what they did to get there. What was their plan? What price did they have to pay? What did they have to give up um, to get where they were? And then you have to ask yourself, are you willing to do what they did? And then if you say, I'm willing to do what they did, then you need to be all in and not give up, even, in, even when you know you're going to have setbacks. And I got to tell you that going through flight school in, and it was rigorous, there was 300 training flights. If we, if we got below average on any given flight, we would get a, a review and you might get a, what's called a recheck to fly it again. Um, and remember, on any flight, there was anywhere from 20 to 40 graded items. If one of those was below average or um, you got a review, and if a second one happened, you were out of the program. Because when you're flying in combat, the guy on your wing, uh, the woman on your wing now, which is really awesome, uh, their life, your lives depend on each other. So the, the standard of excellence is incredibly high. So it was a very rigorous environment. It taught me a lot about myself. It stretched me beyond places I even thought I was capable to go. But that part of my life was, um, it was a, an amazing season. And I think that, I mean, ju just this part, right? Just you say that as so many golden nuggets there, the key lessons. Um, now, with that, this is a great foundation of how we move on in this interview, because uh, before we go into that, that's 3%, you know, the uh, plan flying on a course less than 3% all the time. We have to make adjustment all the time. Can you also tell us a, a little bit about the accident that the horse riding accident? Oh, yeah. So I got out of the Navy in 1995 and had this very long, you know, career in business after I got out of the Navy as a tech entrepreneur and on Wall Street and this is in 2000, September 2011. I was I just started a new company. We were five months into it, Kelly. And I get invited to go up to Montana. I live in Denver, Colorado with uh, Dr. James Dobson. He'd started a new ministry called Family Talk. A friend of mine was on the board. And so it was just a small group. I was really excited to get to meet some of these, you know, you know people making stuff happen, right? I love being around people that are, you know, putting themselves out there. And I get up to Montana, this ranch on Thursday, Friday, we're supposed to go horseback riding to the back of this property, have lunch and get to know each other. And I'm the first one saddled and my horse is in this big open area and it starts trotting and all of a sudden he bolts and he takes off and I'm laying flat on my back and his rump is pounding me in the shoulder blades. And I think for sure, I'm going to flip off the back of this horse and get kicked in the head and get and die. So I do the only thing I can think of doing, and that's just squeeze with my legs as hard as I can. Now, anybody out there, because I didn't know at the time, who is familiar with horses knows what I just did. And I told that horse to accelerate, to hit afterburners. And that guy responded. He found another gear because, you know, I, I didn't read the owner's manual. I'll just tell you that right now. I'm, <laughs> I don't know whether it's a guy thing or a John thing, but I... You know, I'm like, no, I got this. It's a trail ride. Anyway, so we're heading straight ahead. We're going faster and faster and faster toward this whole set of steel, uh, these big steel beams that made up these paddocks. And I tried to get the horse to turn and he wouldn't turn and he wouldn't turn and he wouldn't slow down. And I literally started panicking. I, I'd never had my brain completely spin out of control before. I mean, I've been in combat. I've been shot at. Um, I've raised three teenagers. I mean, nothing prepared me for that moment. And then 
maybe 20 yards in front of the fence at full gallop, wind in my hair, hooves thundering. I remember like everything slowed down. I remember thinking to myself, this is not going to end well. And that's the last thing I remember. Uh, somebody who was watching this said the horse came into the, the fence and he bucked so hard, he flipped over coming into the fence. And when he did that, he launched me Superman head first into that steel beam. So I crushed the entire left side of my skull. I broke virtually every bone in my skull, except for my jaw and my right cheekbone. I lost eight teeth. I broke my neck. I shattered my shoulder. And one of the bars hit me in the, the chest. It crushed my left rib cage and one of the broken bones punctured my left lung. I wake up on the ground. I can feel people holding my head, my neck, my hips. I woke up into more pain than, than was that I could even endure. You know that saying, God won't give you more than you can handle? It's not true. I'm telling you that right now. I try, even tried to find it in scripture. It's not true. And I was beyond my breaking point. And one of the guys there said, all of a sudden, John, I just saw you just sink into the ground. Like you just stopped moving. I thought I'd just watch you die. But Kelly, it was in that moment, I, God was standing next to me. I was in his presence. And as soon as he was there, this love was just emanating. It, it, it had a power. Every time I think about this, I just get goosebumps, like for real. And it had a weight to it, had a physical presence to it, like laying at the, at the edge of an ocean and the beach and the waves are washing over you. And it was washing over me. It had this rhythm and it almost had a color to it, just this love. I almost want to say purple, but that's not accurate. But as soon as I felt the love laying there with my body crushed and I didn't know how bad it was yet, I had one thought. I remember thinking so clearly and calmly. And that was, I'm not worthy of somebody loving me like this. It was so unconditional. What I knew in that moment was that anything and everything I'd ever done in the past, good, bad, or otherwise, was not even relevant to this love in the present that God has with me, this relationship that he's always had with me that he's inviting me into. And this was personal. This wasn't just some general love. This was between, you know, like a husband and wife. You know, you and your husband, there's that love that you have between each other that's very unique. Well, that's what I felt between God and me. And as I felt that washing over me, that love, this peace, all that pain and panic and fear was completely taken away. That's what they saw when they saw me relax because it was gone. And then God spoke to me. And it was this voice that came from everywhere and nowhere. It was almost like I think of um, in Ephesians 4, you know, where it says God's above us and he's near us and he's enthroned in us. It was almost like the God who was near me, who was standing next to me, was communicating with the God who was in me, and I got to be, and I was part of this conversation. Um, and what he said was, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord. I'll just tell you, Kelly, at the time, I did not know that that was from Romans. I've been working as a CEO of a company, 80, up to 80 hours a week, volunteering with nonprofits. I, was, I, I describe it in the book, before this accident, as a place of smoldering discontent. I've never been doing better for my career. All the external 
you know, check boxes of success. I was hitting them all, but I feel I was miserable and I did not know why. I was so out of alignment with so many different things. We can talk about that. But everybody knew that I went to, I went to church, right? But clearly didn't read the Bible. Um, and then he said, John, I'm going to heal you and use this for my glory. And then he said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he said it like that, almost like, you know, from a, a friendly place. It wasn't stern. Like when I re read that afterwards in Job, I can see how that can come across as stern, but that's not how he said it. But as soon as he said that, I knew my left eye was completely blind. I just had that knowledge. And it is all the bones behind the eye socket shattered and severed the optic nerve. And then God left. And I, and I, my eyes were open this whole time. Um, and I said to the people around me, there's a paramedic next to me. And I said, God, so you don't have to worry. It's going to be okay. And the woman next to me was a believer. She's a Christian and she's a paramedic. And she knew it was going to be an hour until life flight got there, the helicopter. And she saw the head trauma and she, because she's been, she's seen these for 30 years. She's told somebody he's not going to make it to life flight. He doesn't have an hour. And that entire hour, Kelly, I was in no pain. I was talking with everybody around me. I was repeating some questions. So they, one of the guys said it was almost like your brain was rebooting. I had a severe traumatic brain injury. I, I, had, I had some bad stuff going on that they found out later. Um, and in, to the point where I was actually acting so normal, they called my wife and said, hey, John got thrown off a horse into a fence. You're going to have to come up from Denver up here to Great Falls, Montana, so you can bring him home. So then I get to the hospital, they do a CT scan and they are, realize what's going on. And Dr. Dobson calls my wife and says, Donna, you need to get up here and bring the boys. It does not look good. And we were told by at least three doctors, they marveled, they could not believe, they told me what happened to me is literally, it's medically not survivable. Best case scenario, I should have been a quadriplegic um, like Christopher Reeves. And you know what, when you're given a second chance at life, because that's what happened. I was given a second chance. I should not be here. Every day is this amazing, precious gift. Every morning is like this new beginning. And what I didn't realize before the accident was it was no different then. I just never realized it. Every single morning, I had a second chance, but I never understood how to take it. I never understood I actually had the authority and the ability to rewrite the script, to change the path that I was on. And so um, I spent five weeks in ICU, Kelly, and then I spent 20 months at a specialty hospital here in Denver with a severe traumatic brain injury. Uh, I had over 23 surgeries, brain surgeries, and, you know, uh, it was, but there was a lot there, right? I, I was so grateful for what God did. But then, you know, the human nature kicks in like, okay, well, did he cause the accident? I don't believe he caused the accident, but I know that he knew it was going to happen. Could he have prevented it? And you know what? As, but being in his presence, and, and I had never in my life up to that, I was 45 years old, Tim Kelly, understood the nature of who God really is until that moment. And I think that's a huge part of my message because growing up, everything I did was earned. Love, um, 
affirmations, um, recognition, a hug. Everything had to be earned. And it was, I, and I never separated that, imparting kind of that earthly father, mother, you know, um, nature onto God. Like I saw him as like the commanding general, you know, the guy up, you know, he's got your back and he's got the plan, but you couldn't go up to the general if, you know, my wife and I had a fight and say, you know, sir, I need a hug. I'm just having a bad day, right? And I read some of that stuff in the Bible where I was like, you know, that's just not for me. And in a moment, I understood, because somebody asked me, Kelly, when you were there, and God was next to you, how would you describe him? Oh, what a great question. I never thought of that. But there was one word that just popped into my head instantly, and that was friend. And when I read after, I, I had never done this before, but after the accident, I read the Bible cover to cover. Now it's something I do every year. And when I read that Jesus wants to call us friend, I was like, what? Okay. Um, there it is. And it, he talks in there how to be his friend because he wants to share his master, the father's business with his friends. It's not some hidden thing, his will, who we are, what's going on in the world that we have to go find, like to seek, like some buried treasure, because that's how I felt before the accident. He's like, no, he wants to freely share it, but he also wants to be in relationship with us. And we're honoring that relationship. And he is going to, wants to share all this. So these are all these amazing new revelations as I honestly just stepped into this whole second half of my life with a completely different everything. Wow. I, I know. I don't know. Yeah, I even don't have a word for it. So I only can say, wow, for the sake of we are recording podcasts, I cannot be silent. So the reason why I got I got confess now, you know, uh, as you know, you, if you're a listener or you are uh, my uh, YouTube subscribers, follow me a while, you probably figure that, you know, I don't do the other way. I'm just as straight, as, as transparent as I am. Don't know to do other way. The reason why I purposely asked John to share the two, two stories. One, it's basically show off high achieving, right? Mm. He's a high, high achiever. Second, it's a brokenness, the story of brokenness. But what I did not expect, it's awesome that you see how God doing, you know, Holy Spirit asked me to ask that two questions. But actually what God wanted to show you guys, for those of you are listening or watching, is the love of God, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. at the time of recording today, it's actually Easter Friday. So I don't think anything is by accident, especially for men. I think we are in, in, in the society of, you know, very rarely that I uh, can share that type of uh, story of brokenness from men, especially from a high achieve, uh, high achievement, the leaders who, who is a high achievement. And, and, and then we wonder why, right? For a younger generation, you know, I have a son of, just celebrate 19, 19th birthday. You know, mm. we're wondering that why our younger generation, the men, you know, boys, that they they cannot, they don't have enough the 
the the right role models to observe to learn from. So, John, I just want to thank you so much for share with us uh, with a, such a transparency. Um, uh, this is beyond beyond major. I so I'm so glad that you share that part. The love. Uh, personally, I experienced a car accident, and God mm-hmm. also show up, but not to the degree, of course, the the, the how, how less severe. But I can relate a little bit about that moment, right? Um, God, God's love. Um, you know, I gotta talk to God about this because you know that when he showed in my car accident, he told me differently. <laughs> you know, he told me that your book is not published yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was, that was a little bit surprised while I was thinking I would see like, you know, but between life and death, you will see like, you know, many picture or like movie frames and, 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 you know, no, I didn't see those. I could, I could, uh, uh, see the liquid of the car, both the car on my body, everything going on. And then I was expecting to see something like that. No, God came to me and I heard an audible voice say, Kelly, your book is not published yet. So that, <laughs> that was interesting uh, how God kind of guides us through individually. So John, now- Well, we- well I love that. And I, I, want, I want to share a point too, something I realized in that moment. You know, God came and he spoke to you and he came and I was in his presence and he spoke to me. And I've, and I've heard a lot of people, there's probably people listening, because up to that point in my life, I had never experienced God in that way. And as I said to you guys, I didn't even know the scripture as, as God shared something out of Romans. Me and Kelly are not special. God loves everybody out there, regardless of your past, regardless of what you believe right now, regardless of your level of faith or lack of faith, because he doesn't want anyone lost. And I hope you know that. And and what I found was that God opened this door for me to start building a relationship with him. And And the more that I learned about who he was and who he created me to be, the, the more that communication and those conversations increased. And like you said before, especially with guys, I had to go find people that were Christians to coach me, to disciple me, to help me explore this relationship that I was desperate to have because I, I felt it and I knew it was already there, but I wanted to, and God was leaning all in and I, I had to figure out how to lean back, right? And so if you've never felt that before, um, that does not, that is not evidence of anything wrong with you or your faith. I'm telling you that right now. I talked to a pastor, one of the biggest churches in the country who lives and walks by the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, how often do you hear from him, that voice? And he's like, I've never have actually, but I can just always tell in my gut which way to go and how to make a decision. So God communicates with every single one of us differently. Um, but he is the thing that we have to believe and trust is that he is there right next to us, that he's in us and he's above us watching us. And, and for me, I got to tell you, for me, that's just been so comforting, Kelly, to really understand that. Yeah. You know, I just had a great conversation with somebody. We talk about uh, Christianity is not religion. You know, for me personally, it's always it's a relationship. Yes. And um, 
I understand everybody. We came from different backgrounds, you know, and different denominations. Uh, well, personally, because I did not know any denomination because I even have to fight to become a Christian. So uh, it's always, it's that relationship with the Abba Father. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know, if you want to have best friends, you know, you obviously need to understand that person first. You guys will, you know, spend time with each other and then you get to know each other. And then come to a point that, you know, sometimes like, you don't have to say a word, kind of look at each other or, or that job moments, moments ago, mm-hmm. he mentioned like husband and wife, right? So certain time we, we, we don't have to say a word. We just kind of look at each other. We know what it meant. And that is God, what God wants, that God wants to build that relationship with you. And so, yes. So please remind it that if you are listening to this episode, that it's a big invitation for you right now. I can see now just God just open his arms, say, come on, come on in, you know? So uh, please just accept that invitation. Now, from there, we'll transit to a little bit about uh, John's book because it's, it's, it's such a pivotal moment for this book, personally, I feel, in my spirit. And, you know, because now you guys know his background and then his, you know, his stories. And John, can you, let's back to that about that 3% thing, right? Um, uh, because you say when plane flying is on course less than 3% of the time, that which is total surprise to me. And I guess I'm not the only one. Well, well every, t- every time we come on an airplane, we kind of, yeah, you know, pilot. They know what they're doing. I'm sure they are all like, a, I could picture that, oh, they're straight line. They just point here, point there. We go in there. So, so I did not know they have to do so much course, uh, course correction, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? And also tell us that, well, the, the awesome metaphor to our business and life, say the three things to get to where we need to be. Yeah. So, you know, as you're listening, think about the last time you were in the airliner and you're sitting there comfortably in your seat and the, and the crew has autopilot on. It is on course less than 3% of the time. Now, when I'm talking to groups and I'm like, you know, what do you think? And then people are like, no, it's a hundred. Like, okay, I'm a little skeptical. I'm going to be like 80. I'm like, no, it's three. They're like, what? And that's the autopilot. If it was me flying it, it'd be way lower than that. I'll tell you that right now. But here, because think about it, though, I'm flying through the air that when you feel turbulence, those are giant air gusts outside the airplane, pushing it off course, right? And the engines are turning and I'm burning fuel and the center of gravity and the weight is changing and there's people walking up and down the aisle in the cart. Everything is constantly conspiring together to move that airplane off course, up, down, left, right. And it's no different than our lives. Everything in life just happens. And do we have a perspective that life happens to us or life happens for us? Some very different mindsets in there. But let's go back to that autopilot. The autopilot has to know three things to be able to make that course corrections. The first one is it has to know true north, a navigational reference to be able to set that initial course and then have a reference to make a course correction back to where it's supposed to go. And you know what, as, as leaders, um, as humans, as husbands and fathers, 
uh, we need a true north in our life. And what is that? Now, for me, it's my faith. So it's really from a couple different areas. A, understanding who God is. The second one is my identity. And I write a lot about this journey in the book from the identity of who I saw in the mirror with all my limiting beliefs and my mindsets and all my experiences that I flooded in. And, you know, Kelly, there's a ton of things that I had let in that I, that were not true, that were lies that I accepted as truths about myself. Like as an example, I got out of the military and I got a really good corporate job and I had some family members that grew up during the depression. So they were completely security safety minded. But when I told them I'm leaving the corporate job to go start my own company, be an entrepreneur, they broke down in tears and they told me I would fail and they were embarrassed and ashamed that I would put my family at risk. And somebody in the family who I really respected didn't say anything. They were kind of quiet. I think I found out later, I just knew why they didn't want to get into this huge argument, but I let some of that in. So when I started my first company, I was making decisions to try to prove to that person they were wrong versus what was in the best interest of my people and my company. And it did not end well. Drove that company into the ground. I made some really stupid decisions. So our identity. And, uh, um, and then the second thing is, think about it. You pull out your app on your phone, Google Maps or Apple Maps, and, and you get, you're going to go drive somewhere. What's the first thing you do when you pull out that app and you open it up, you, you tap the destination, right? You type it in. That app does not work unless you tell it where you want to go. It's just a map then. And what is that destination that we have in our life? What is, what is our vision? What is our mission? What is our purpose right now? And what is that, maybe that worthwhile dream or goal that we're pursuing? And do we know why we're, we want to pursue it? And then the third thing that that autopilot has to know with complete accuracy is my present position. Now think about it, when you pull up that map and you're in the parking lot at the grocery store and it doesn't know where you're at and it has you go out the wrong way and then take the wrong turn and then you just added like eight minutes to your trip and you're like, I'm going to be late and it's frustrating. So we have to also know where we're at. We have to get some clarity on who we are. I think our values, our passions, our mindsets. And here's what I realized was when I started looking at all three of these, when I started getting clear on my true north, where I really wanted to go and making that transition, that transformation in identity from that person I saw in the mirror and I realized the person God sees when he looks at me is a very different person, right? When I got to Ephesians 2.10, you know, everybody focuses on the calling, right? The Ephesians 2.10 calling. The thing that I got stuck on and I had to spend a lot of time in prayer and abiding around was that I am Christ's perfect workmanship. It says you are, that is present tense. And even though coming out of this accident, right? Two and a half years with no income, 23 surgeries, chronic pain, a brain injury. I could work eight to 10 hours a week. My network was dormant because I've basically been in a bed for over two years. Um, you know, what's next? How, how do you reconcile, you know, what's next? And what I found was when I said, you know what, with all of those limitations from in, in the human mind, limiting beliefs are just popping up like popcorn. 
from God's perspective, it's like, no, that's what he told me. That's what he showed me. John, you can do more on eight to 12 hours a week in partnership with me, following my will in what I'm doing than you ever did as an entrepreneur on 80 hours a week. Just, this is the path I want you to go down. You're going to have to trust me. Because when you go to your wife and you say, okay, honey, I'm going to start in our company. And I'm like half loopy and I can barely work. And I can think straight a few hours a day. And you know what she said to me? She goes, John, if that's God's will, I'm all in. What an amazing wife I have. I tell you that, Kelly, right now. And through that, every day, just focusing on taking small steps, not thinking too far ahead because I couldn't. We have done more in the last, I guess, seven years than I ever dreamed of. We have a company now, Beyond Influence, that's global. We're the preferred leadership trainer to the, to the U.S. Air Force. Uh, oh, my gosh. The doors got us open as we just followed this path, not even knowing where it was going to lead. But all those came together, this journey of transformation for me personally. Because, um, you know, it says in John 10.10 10, that God came to give us life. Or Jesus said, I came to give you life. And so that you may live it to the full. And I had to ask myself, you know, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being, think of Paul, just, got, just, gets the, just gets caned in the tar beat out of him, and he gets thrown in a Roman prison, which is probably one of the nastiest, grossest places in the world, and he's shackled in the bottom of this place. And what did, what's his response? To just break out in some worship songs. Like, I don't think that'd be my response. Okay, that's a 10. And a one being, you are barely hanging on. You're about to check out of here. If I was really honest with myself and I looked at, you know, some of those things that, that limit us between where we're at now and our potential that God created us to be, this greatness, it's fear, it's guilt, it's shame, it's our limiting beliefs. It's not understanding really who we are. And as I work to close that gap, so Kelly beforehand, I was constantly seeking approval still. I felt like I was constantly seeking my assignment and God wasn't telling me what it was. It was like, I still wasn't worthy enough yet. How come he hasn't told me what my calling is? And honestly, that's how I felt. I was actually frustrated in my faith leading up to this. And here's what I realized. In the business world, we focus often on the why, what, and the how. Our vision, our mission, our purpose, whatever words we want to use. And those are incredibly important. I'm not downplaying those. Here's what I came to know for myself, especially, was that guess what, Kelly? You've been a CEO. You've been so successful. And what if I said, hey, I want to start a company. I want you to mentor me. I want you to give me your best stuff. And you said, John, you know what? I believe in you. I'm going to do that. But let's say I have a flawed foundation myself, how I show up in situations, how I make decisions, how I react, some of my habits and my level of discipline. I could take your best stuff, Kelly, but if I run it through a flawed person, I am never going to get the results that you got. So what I realized, what is foundational between understanding our why and our what and our how is who we are. Because yeah. in America, I don't know what it's like over in Europe, because I actually researched this for the book. Do you know that we spend over the last 10 years an average, this is, a, you know, uh, US companies, 24 billion with a B on leadership training. And you look at the Gallup results. I just finished reading It's the Manager. Great book. If you guys are out there, you need to read the book about your supervisors. But the, the engagement numbers, you know, fulfillment numbers, nothing has changed. 
in that last decade, and we've been pouring money into it. And I think the whole leadership industry is doing a lot of us a disservice because we're not, we're focusing on this stuff that's easy to talk about instead of stuff that really matters. And that is who we are. And that is what this book is about. Because when I understand where I'm at and who I can become, and in that, that's being on purpose. That is being intentional today, right? On purpose, with purpose. I know where I'm going. And I know, and I have that true north and I've gotten clear on what that is. Then there's this place called convergence, Kelly, and it's where all of those come together. And what I found was as I started working on those areas, that sense of purpose and calling that was like this mystery to me. So think of it like a field in the morning in England, like Devonshire, and it's all cloudy. It's so pretty, but it's all cloudy. And you can't even see the fog is there. It's like the fog just lifted. And it was right in front of me and had been right in front of me the whole time, but I had been going about the process backwards and I'd gotten very impatient. And through this whole process, what I realized was this was a, this is something, a gift that God gave me, like my life to go share freely. And it's how I, I didn't realize it at the time, but this is how I started this whole process that's in the book is how I started working with my clients. Whether you're a CEO of a fortune 50 company, a general in the Pentagon or volunteer my time to coach the leadership team of a nonprofit here in Denver. And it's what I went through. And then I realized I'm just going to write this so I can share it with people so they can just figure out what is that? How can they have a personal flight plan and a game plan for themselves that just shows them all those small little things I need to be doing today? Because we overestimate, I think, what we can do in a year, especially when it comes to personal growth especially in maybe changing my relationship with my spouse or my kids, if that's broken. That, that became a huge focus of mine because it was not good before the accident because of, I, was this, I was this workaholic, grumpy dude, just being honest. And today, it's, it's unbelievable. My son, he, 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 he goes to college 10 hours away, Kelly. And my wife's been talking to him. And he's like, come home for Easter. Come home for Easter. He's like, no, no, no. It's my last like long weekend with all my colleagues. He's a senior. Do you know that he pulled, he drove all night to surprise us. I woke up this morning and he was here because he wanted to spend time with us. Like it brings me, it's emotional, mm. but it shows me, you know what? Those relationships that you can have with your kids that I've always dreamed of that I did not have with my parents. God has restored and healed everything in my life in a way that I, I mean, I'm just humbled and, and blessed. So. Well, I mean, can you guys tell, I mean, we can stay on this episode for another three hours, <laughs> but I want to make you guys so curious that you'll go to buy the book. Okay. I'm going to say this upfront, right? So um, therefore, you know, uh, for me, boil to down, it's you guys, if you go to my website, you know, very first thing you can see is identity aligned success. Because I've been hearing mm -hmm. this over yeah. and over and over again. Like recently, I just, you know, uh, for Easter, we interviewed 37 Christian entrepreneurs. Although the stories are different, but it's all went through the same thread. It's identity aligned success. And that success, quote-unquote success, is not the same success that normally this world tells us in the business mountain. So, um, John, so again, any 
departing wisdom, I know, because again, I don't want to reveal your book too much. <laughs> um, I mean, he being so generous to uh, share, uh, share with us so much. It's what would you tell somebody that, you know, they're probably in, in, the, sim- in the similar situation as you were, uh, meaning that in a context of, you know, they are uh, achieved, they, they, they are a high achievement in either they are mother or fathers. And um, they, but they feel, they come to a point that they feel like it's not fulfilled. They feel just, you say mm-hmm. that, you know, whether you come to a relationship, whether you come to uh, their relation, meaning the human relationship and relationships got, they keep upon hearing other people have these great relationships. God can hear what God say, and, but they don't experience that. And what will you say to them? One word comes to mind, Kelly, and that is hope. And when I was going through this, right, my, my marriage was absolutely on the rocks. I don't know if I'd still be married today had the accident actually not happened. I did wow. not have a good relationship with my boys. I was going to be probably one of those people that succeeded heavily, you know, well in business at the sacrifice of everything else. I had no idea how to change it. I think that's why I was so miserable. I describe it as this smoldering discontent, but also in my recovery, 23 surgeries, I was in pain constantly. Sometimes I I would just pray to God, just get me through the next five minutes. They'd give me morphine and it would last for about two hours and they couldn't give it to me again for another two hours. And I had to get through two hours with my body destroyed five minutes at a time. But here's what I knew as I went through this. God said, all things work together for good for those that trust him. And I chose to believe that. I said, you know what? Maybe the next five minutes will be better than the last. And it wasn't. I said, maybe next week will be better than this week. And sometimes it was. I said, maybe next month will be. And maybe next year will be. And guess what? It sure it was. And what my prayer became daily to give you guys some hope is just, you know, let's just say on that scale of one to 10, we're talking about that fully alive. Let's, I told you guys, I was, a, I put myself at a two. When I really looked back and thought through, I was at a two and I couldn't think about getting to a 10. That's just gestalt that it, it, you can't get there from here. But I said, what if I could get to a three? What would I have to start working on today? And what is that small step I could take today? And I came up with this saying that has guided me, and that is excellence is the standard, but grace is the word. Because I'm going to try to get better. I'm going to try to, I'm going to work on breaking this habit of anger. I'm going to break on this habit of rolling my eyes and being sarcastic. Maybe when my wife didn't do something the way I thought she should do. I was the guy who was causing the problems and I am going to work at it and work at it and I'm going to fail and I'm going to be frustrated. And I was angry at myself, but I said, I'm not going to let that define me or be evidence that I can't change or I can't have a great marriage or a great company or hyper growth or a culture where people can't wait to show up on Monday morning. That was always the kind of culture I wanted to create that my team was all like family. They couldn't, you know, you work with your You can't wait to hang out with your friends, right? I wanted to create business excellence and this culture where people love being a part of. And, but I had to stop 
looking at things as evidence that I couldn't, but I had to look at it from this place as, okay, in that interaction, was there anything at all that I did well or did a little bit better? And from that, what did I learn that I can apply tomorrow? I started shifting from comparing myself to others who had those results, to, which I think is a huge performance killer, to competing with a better version of myself. And I got to tell you, just seven years of lots of small steps. So you can't compare one of the, you know, some of the stuff I'm sharing with you today. You have to say, you know what? Actually, my accident happened nine years ago. It's been a nine-year journey, and I've come a long way, Kelly, but I still have a long way to go in some areas of my life. And I really hope that that gives people hope because that consistent effort in partnership with the Father is going to yield results in your life that you'll look back on and go, mind blown. No idea that this part of my life could be so awesome. Well. Praise the Lord. There's a compound effect of resilience. Yes. Uh, obviously under God's grace. So, well, we want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. Even you are not 100% there yet with your recovery, but we are so appreciate you come on to share with us this fantastic message. Uh, we will surely put all the links and the books and website in the show notes just for the sake. Verbally, can you tell us where the people can find you. Yeah, just go to beyondinfluence.com. And the book is beyondinfluence.com forward slash book. Um, Kelly, I'm in the middle of producing an audible version. And so as the book comes out on April 27th, anybody that buys the book and just will, there'll be a link on that website and writes us a review, we're going to send them a free copy of the audio book um, and some other cool things that we have planned as, as we launch. But um, I'd love to serve anybody here, be useful in any way that I can. And, um, and, and I have spots on my calendar that I keep every week just to reach out and help people that reach out to me. So that's where you can connect with me. That's awesome. Thank you. For, so thank you so much again for coming on the show. And I cannot wait to see what kind of report effect from this book. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm getting more and more excited, you know, like you wrote your first book. And so this is my first book. And, you know, now that, you know, somebody, when I got COVID, somebody said, well, is this another chapter of your book? I said, no, I think this is another book. So <laughs> <laughs> because you know what, like I've been taken off the, the field of play for two months, right? In our busiest season, when things were ramping up, talk about having to truly lean back into just trusting God to provide for everything, for my team, we got 15 people, our company, our clients, and, and, I, and I literally could not do anything for almost the first six weeks. Mm. Uh, and God's been faithful in everything, which he always is. Okay, guys, go to get a book, and then uh, we will see you in the show note, and uh, you, there from the links that you can get to connect with John even more. John, thank you again for coming on the show. Yes. Thank you, Kelly. And thank you for your heart and your love of God and what you're doing in the kingdom and doing it through equipping business leaders. So needed. I really think uh, in the marketplace is the biggest opportunity we have right now to take territory back. God is preparing it 
um, the, the soil and we just need to step into it because he's already prepared it for us. So thank you. You're equipping and preparing people to do just that, Kelly. And I really, I really admire you for doing that. Oh, thank you for the kind words. We just all work together. Yes. Thank you. How did you enjoy the conversation? I trust that you probably like me, took a lot of notes. At the same time, you feel energized, inspired by John's story, and probably a little bit conviction as well that how much more we can do to advance the kingdom. If you enjoyed this episode, and for the show note, just go to kellybada.com forward slash podcast. Again, it's kellybada.com forward slash podcast. And from there, you can learn more about John and his book. I will see you in the next episode. Hi there. If you have found this episode resonating with you, would you please consider to take a moment and drop a review on iTunes? It will serve a fresh dose of blessings to those of us who work so hard to produce the content week in and week out. Please go to kellyballer.com forward slash review. Again, that's kellyballer.com forward slash review. We really appreciate it. And you will also help more fellow Christian CEOs find this podcast. Thank you so much. Remember, you matter. See you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Christian CEO Podcast at www.kellybotter.com.